chapter number two this morning. Luke chapter number two. The kids are going out. I do have a uh, thank you letter. My sincerest thank you to a very loving and compassionate church family uh, for cards, texts, food, and beautiful flowers. Most of all, uh, for your continued thoughts and prayers uh, as God gives me His strength uh, to face each day. Miss Beverly Witten, continue to pray for. Uh, Miss Beverly, if you would, and I know she certainly appreciates your prayers uh, for, uh, for her. Uh, good to have the uh, Sutherlands uh, with us in the services uh, uh, this morning. Always good, to, uh, always good to see them. I have to see them like this, but it's always good to see them. And um, pray for me Wednesday. I'm supposed to be going Wednesday to get shots in this eye. Uh, this blood is still not... Um, gone away. I had a, I had a vitreous hemorrhage in this eye and it, I just can't see out of it. And, um, and, uh, and then I got to get lasers, uh, laser surgery on this eye. And, um, but I'm doing, uh, a whole bunch better and, uh, certainly, uh, thankful for your prayers and for, uh, your continued prayers, uh, as I try to get, uh, these things, uh, straightened out. And, um, let me tell you something. If you don't already know it, and if you do already know it, and you're ignoring it, just let me tell you, procrastination, uh, there's always consequences to procrastination. And uh, you put things off and put things off, and, um, uh, you know, it won't happen to me. Uh, it happens to everybody. And so, um, uh, so uh, just if you, if you know something's going on and you know something's wrong, uh, it, when I went to to the doctor for the first time, they said, um, "Who who is your primary care?" And I said, "I don't have one." They said, "How old are you?" And uh, I said, "Yeah, I just don't go to the doctor." And um, uh, it, it not not a uh, not a not a proud moment uh, to say that, um, especially for you that are my age or older, and um, get things checked out. Uh, and make sure that you stay ahead of things, and you won't have to face some of those uh, some of those issues um, from uh, procrastination. So prayerfully, uh, they'll get things straight. And I'm supposed to have at least two or three shots in this eye. Uh, pray that works. That's my real prayer. If you would uh, to pray about that, because if if it does not work, they have to cut the eye open and go in and suck the blood out, and uh, or uh, I won't. I won't regain the vision in this eye, and so it has to do with retinopathy and all the uh, all that goes with that. And so, uh, again, thank you for your continued prayers. Thank you for your prayers for us as we uh, as we headed uh, out of town uh, last week, and uh, appreciate um, appreciate your prayers for us. So we got the um, if you if you'll notice, maybe you haven't. Um, there's like a great big speaker on this side, and like nothing. Uh, on that side, uh, because we were getting the uh, speaker fixed, and so um, uh, got that down there, and um, it was under warranty. So we certainly praise the Lord for that. Um, uh, appreciate um, uh, Brother Guy getting all that taken care of, and um, uh, we'll just have to go back down there and get it when it is finished. Amazingly, absolutely amazingly, 
the speakers. So to get a new speaker is about fifteen to sixteen hundred dollars for one of these speakers. Um, back in two thousand and nineteen, when we kind of did our whole system update, um, we we paid like fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars for these speakers. So it amazes me from 2019 to 2000 and almost 24 that the price has barely gone up for these speakers. Um, but um, I'm thankful it was under warranty so we didn't have to uh, worry about um, getting a, a new speaker as of right now. So uh, thankful for that. Uh, Luke chapter number two. So of course Christmas time is here and um, Christmas season anyways. I know we think of Christmas it's kind of funny because we kind of think of Christmas time as December 25th, right? Well, this is Christmas season. It's kind of like Thanksgiving season, right? Thanksgiving season is the month of November. It's not just the end of November, uh, but it is um, the month of November, and it's kind of a reminder uh, uh, of Thanksgiving. Christmas time uh, is a reminder uh, of the Christmas story, and it's a reminder of uh, uh, our Lord and Savior. Uh, Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter number two, uh, I want you to see uh, a message that we find in Luke chapter uh, number two, and it is a message of peace. A message of peace. Luke chapter two, and uh, begin reading in verse number 10. Luke chapter two, in verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace, goodwill toward men. As we think about Christmas time, as we think about what Christmas is all about, we have lost somewhere along the way in translation, we've lost what Christmas is really all about. Uh, and um, now, I'm not talking about the world because the world's going to think what the world's going to think, right? I'm talking about God's people. I'm talking about the church. Uh, what is, uh, you know, the meaning of Christmas? And I know it's, a, it's an overused um, a uh, little idiom that we always say during Christmas time, Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, but the reason that we say that is because we have forgotten along the way uh, that Jesus is the real reason, not just for this season, but for every season of life. And, but Christmas time is a time that we celebrate. Christmas time is a time that we should a focus on the person of Jesus Christ. And so as we think about Christmas time and we think about this proclamation that we find here in Luke chapter number two, uh, that uh, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, 
goodwill toward men. As we think about this message that was delivered uh, uh, here, uh, uh, I want you to see three things about this message of peace. Three things about this message of peace. Number one, it was a salvation message. It was a salvation message. I want you to know something about peace. There is no peace outside of Jesus Christ. There is no peace without the salvation that comes through and by Jesus and Jesus alone. I want you to know that there is a place, right? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There is a place, it is a place that everybody knows about, right? It's a place where most people, I would say, believe in. It's a place called heaven. Now, there's misconceptions about what heaven is, where heaven is, but there's a huge misconception on who's going to be there. Who's going to be in heaven? How do you get to this place? Jesus said this, right? It's definitive. By the way, when Jesus spoke, it was always definitive. There was no guessing. There was no flipping a coin. Jesus said, clearly, I am the way. Because remember, because remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples there in John 14, and he's telling, he's telling his disciples, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare this wonderful place for you, and when I prepare this place for you, I'm going to come back, and then you're going to go with me to that place. Well, they were excited. Rightfully so. I'm excited. Rightfully so. Great question was asked. How can we know the way? How do we get to this place? I mean, this place that you're talking about, this place that we know and we call and that the Bible calls heaven, how do we get there? Jesus never minces words. He doesn't leave it open for discussion. He doesn't leave it open for our opinion. In verse number 6 of John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Do you realize and do you recognize when you find that verse in John 14 in verse number 6 that the, that the definite article is there, not the indefinite article. The indefinite article says, I am a way. I am a truth. And I am a life. Jesus didn't say that. He used a definite article saying this, essentially. I am the one and only way. I am the one and only truth. I am the one and only life. It's a definite article. So he says, listen, I am the way. Now watch else what he says. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, the Bible says there is one mediator between God and man. It's not you. It's not the church. It's not the Baptist denomination. It's not a priest. It's not a preacher. It's not a person. Who is it? There's one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 12. You see, the Bible is very clear. Man muddies the water, not, not God. God doesn't muddy the water. God puts it on the shelf so that we can reach it, right? God puts it down there so that we can understand it. Now, mind you, I get it. There are some things in the Bible that are harder to understand than others. When somebody gets saved, and, and I get the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, and I'm going to disciple them, I don't tell them, okay, listen to me, I want you to go home and I want you to read the book of Ezekiel. Man, you talk about having questions. I've been saved a long time. I've been in the ministry a long time. I still got questions. I mean, the valley of dry bones. I mean, I mean, you're talking about a lot. You don't start with Ezekiel, do you? Because there are things that are, that are sometimes that are harder to understand. I get that. But God doesn't make salvation hard to understand. He makes it easy to understand. Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other. There's, 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 uh, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. So what does that mean? Let me make it clear. If Jesus is the only way, then every other way is a false way. And boy, we, we don't like to say that out loud. I don't know why, but we don't, we don't like to say that out loud. We want this, uh, this idea of universalism. You know what universalism says? Just, we're, all, we're, we're all on our way to heaven. We are all children of God. I mean, we are all, hell doesn't exist. And, and boy, we're, we're all, I mean, we might be taken different ways. And you might be taking the way of baptism and you might be taking the way of works and you might be taking the way of church membership and you might be taking the way of uh, uh, Islam and you might be taking the way of fill in the blank. But we all, with good intentions, are going to end up there. Let me tell you something. Good intentions never got anybody to heaven. Salvation, it's a salvation message. So let me tell you what the salvation message is. Jesus said, I am the way. That's why Jesus came. Do you understand that Jesus left the glories of heaven? Jesus became man. He didn't stop being God. He started being man. So the whole birth and the virgin birth is all about. Listen to me. Understand this. Joseph was not Jesus' father. Get that clear. Not, not by blood. He was not his Father, now, he was his guardian, right? I mean, you can call him what you want to, but he was not his father. Mary was a virgin when she conceived Jesus Christ. Talking about hard to understand, right? Why? Because Jesus Christ is the very God of very God. The sovereignty and the deity of Jesus Christ are so important. Why are they so important? Because for you to be reconciled to God, a perfect, blameless, sinless sacrifice had to be given. I don't know about you, but nobody ever had to tell me that, that I was a sinner. Nobody ever had to tell me that. 
I never have walked around and thought to myself, you know what? I'm getting to heaven because I, I'm, I'm sinless. I'm perfect. I'm blameless. And by the way, I'm so perfect and blameless that I could die for your sins. No, we're all sinners. We've all missed the mark. Every single one of us have failed. There is none righteous. No, not even one. So the next time you dislocate your shoulder trying to pat yourself on the back, remember, you're a sinner. No, you don't understand, preacher. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Guess what you now are? A saved sinner. I don't care how long you've been saved. I'll tell you something, we all still fail. We all still miss the mark. Ain't none of us perfect. None of us. So I want, you, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ, God alone, is sinless. God alone is perfect. And when Jesus Christ came, He came into this world born of a virgin, and He lived a perfect, sinless life. Never sinned. Imagine that. Just can you think about that just for a second? You want to know, you want to know, you want to know one of, the, one of the biggest liars on the face of the earth? Can anybody guess? Babies. Seriously. You ever notice a baby just cries and they cry and they cry and they cry, and but they're not hungry. They're not tired. I mean, what are they, what are they, and you go over there and you pick the baby up, right, and you rock the baby, and the baby's going. <laughs> you know why? Because we are born in sin. That's who we are. You don't become a sinner. You are born a sinner. You're born in sin. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you what sin has done. It has separated you from God. There is a great gulf fixed. And there's nothing you can do in and of yourself that can get you reconciled back to God. Nothing. So what do we need? We need a propitiator. We need a go-between. We need a mediator. We need a sacrifice. And Jesus Christ was and is that sacrifice for sin. Understand this. Without Christ, without the cross, we're without hope. You understand that? I don't care about holiday seasons. I don't care about any of the... Listen, I don't care when it comes to church. Do you know how many people... Do you know how many churches are open today and they're nothing but a country club? There's no, there's no preaching. There's no Bible. There's no believing in Jesus. There's, there's none of these things. And let me tell you something. I, mean, I want you to understand something. It's useless. Jesus said this, without me, you can do nothing. There is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ lived that sinless and perfect life, right? we don't know much. We know basically what we know, and when you read the Gospels and the Gospel accounts, what you know is Jesus' earthly ministry. But we know this, He was without sin. He that knew no sin became sin for us. He was sinless. He died upon the cross. 
so that you could be reconciled back to God. So that relationship, that sin that was broken, oh, it's all Adam's fault. Well, it started with Adam. Well, it's all Eve's fault. It started with Adam and Eve. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. But let me tell you something. You know what we're really good at? Playing the blame game. By the way, that started the beginning too, right? You know who Adam blamed? He didn't blame Eve. He blamed God. It's the woman thou hast given me. Now, he threw her under the bus, mind you. But he was he doing? He was blaming God. God. You know what he was saying ultimately? God, if you hadn't given me her, I'd be right as rain. And I'm here to tell you, we have been playing the blame game ever since. Do you know what do every single one of us good? If we would just admit our own sin. Stop blaming it on your parents. Stop blaming it on society. Stop blaming it on your upbringing. Well, you know, let me tell you, it, 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 and it, by the way, it goes both ways. Well, it's because my parents spanked me. The flip side. Well, it's because my parents didn't spank me. <laughs> you know what everybody's looking for? An excuse. That's what we're looking for. But let me tell you something. We are without excuse. So stop using the excuses and stop thinking, stop hoping, stop crossing your fingers and crossing your toes and carrying a lucky rabbit's foot around with you about whether you're going to heaven when you die. The only way you can know that you're going to heaven when you die is what you did with Jesus Christ. And by the way, when you pass from this life, it is too late. When the rapture of the church happens, by the way, that's a real event. And it's coming. Well, this preacher believes it's around the corner. It could happen certainly at any moment. And when the rapture of the church happens, let me tell you something. If you have in your mind, if you're sitting under the sound of my preaching right now, and you have in your mind when the rapture of the church happens, and I get left, I'll get saved then, you are sorely mistaken. Will there be people saved during the tribulation? 100%. The Bible says great multitudes. But it'll be those that have never heard. It won't be us that, that have heard and rejected, heard and put off. How many people in here, if you can remember, how many people in here got saved the very first time you heard the gospel? There's not too many. Now, I don't know why I asked you to raise your hand. I can't, see, I can't see if you raised your hand or not anyways. But not many do, right? Sometimes we have to process it. Sometimes we have to think about it. I, I've told you uh, my testimony on multiple occasions. There were times that I would go and I would listen to, a, to these preachers. My wife, man, before she was my wife, I thought her and my cousin, which they were best friends, I thought they hated me. They'd take me, they'd come pick me up. Uh, pick me up from, the, um, from Mayport. I was stationed in Mayport. They'd say, you can come for the weekend, but there's only one stipulation. you got to go to church. Well, I've been to church. Not very often. It was a Dutch Reformed church. I don't know if you've ever been to a Dutch Reformed church or not, but I always, I went to, matter of fact, 
the Dutch Reformed pastor, stopped being the Dutch Reformed pastor, this is where I'm from up north, stopped being the Dutch Reformed pastor and became the Baptist pastor. I don't know if you know there's a doctrinal difference between the two, but there is. Anyways, and so I said, uh, uh, so, so I said, hey, no big deal. Well, they didn't take me to church. I mean, are you kidding me? They took me to these revival meetings. Back when these preachers were mean. You think I'm mean. Uh-uh. They were mean. They're the, they're the kind of preachers that spit everywhere. You know why people don't sit on the front row? That's the reason why. They just don't know why that, that's the reason why. It's because it's the spit zone. I mean, those preachers, I mean, they're just screaming and hollering. And they'd come up about sitting in your lap. You got up to go out just because you had to go to the bathroom or you had to, I mean, they'd follow you right out. Where are you going, son? a great day in the morning. What did I get myself into? They're the guys that, that jump the pews, jump up and down, screaming and hollering. And I mean, I'm telling you, I've been to some meetings before. I'd get up. Oh, let me tell you something. I, <laughs> nobody talked to me like that. And I'd get mad at Wendy and I'd get mad at Hazel. And I'd think to myself, they got with this rascal right before the service, and told him every single one of my sins. I mean, who, who do they think they are? And they'd put, I mean, this is back when, you know, the, the, you, you did standing room only, right, in the church, and, and we'd get there early, and they'd, we'd come on a bus, and, and they would put me right there. And then they'd go, whoop, on this side, and whoop, on this side. Ah, step on your head to get out of that place. Stepping on people and climbing over things, and, and I'd go out to the back of the bus. Man, I tell you, you know what I, and I did it on multiple occasions. And I'm so thankful today that God gave me a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance. And I finally accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I'm so glad. But you know what? He didn't have to. You do realize, right, that you have no idea what tomorrow holds. We could go out to, and, and meet the Lord today. You could lay your head down on your pillow for your Sunday nap. Anybody get a Sunday nap? <laughs> yeah. It better be an emergency for me to miss my Sunday nap. You know what? You might put your head down on your pillow and not wake up. Out into eternity. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't get it settled before, it's too late then. Simple salvation message. Jesus Christ died upon the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day. The Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. A salvation Message. Think about this. Think about uh, uh, good tidings. You know, everybody likes good news. I mean, something's wrong with you. You are morbid if you, you're excited about bad news. Nobody wants bad news. Nobody wants good news. Hey, when things, good things happen, we get excited about those good things that happen because we like good news. There's no better news than the good news of Jesus Christ. It is good news of great tidings, of great joy, the Scripture says. 
We sing this song, Joy to the World. Do you realize that in Luke chapter 15 and verse 10, the Bible says that there is joy in heaven among the angels when one person gets saved? It's exciting. I'm excited. We should be getting excited over people being saved. We ought to get excited over lives being changed. It's something that we ought to want to be a part of. It is great joy. It is good tidings. It is, watch this, it's to all people. It's to all people. I want you to know something. Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus didn't die for just the people you like. <coughs> Jesus didn't die for just the people you think he should have died for. The Bible says that Jesus died for the whole world. Salvation? Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to get saved, but it is God's desire that none should perish and that all should come to repentance. It's God's desire that you be saved. Now, the choice is up to you. You decide. You've, you've got to open again. It's like the, it's like the mother, the, the son that just was off to college, and boy, he just, uh, I mean, he was, you remember being in college? I'm talking about back in the day. I'm not talking about in the, in the spoiled days that we're living in now. I'm talking about back in the day when you ate ramen noodles. I tell you this, I've told you this before. When I was in college, let me tell you something. When I was in college, and I had the GI Bill, so it was paying for some of my college. And uh, we, we'd go out. I went to a place. The, and I, people think I'm making it up. I'm telling you the truth. Ask Wendy. So a place in Jacksonville. is called Chiny Takey Audi. $4 for a lunch. Four bucks. Now, I ain't promise you it was beef or chicken or I don't I have no idea what the meat was, but you got a pile of rice, you got some vegetables, and you got meat over top of it. I mean, it was a big old tray of it. But I couldn't afford to go get a steak. Are you kidding me? Get a steak? I couldn't afford a steak. I couldn't afford, I couldn't, there's a lot of things I couldn't afford. I mean, it was, it was, it was rough. This kid's in college, right? And he, he asked his mom, he says, Mom, I need, I need, I just, I don't have any money. I don't have, any, I don't have two nickels to rub together. See what the mom did? She sent him a Bible. He said, a Bible? What am I going to do with a Bible? What, am I supposed to sell the Bible to get money? I said, what, what am I supposed to do with the Bible? And guess what he never did? He never opened the Bible to know that there was money throughout that Bible that the mama said. Right? It was all... It's all, it's, all, it's all there. I tell my kids all the time, listen to me. If something suddenly happens to me, don't go throwing away the books. You better open every single book because <laughs> you don't never know what you're going to find in those books. I'm telling you. I, and so you gotta, what do you got to do? You got to open it. Salvation is for all people. It's for all men. It's for the world, the whole world. Right? It's to all people. But you've got to open it. You've got to receive Jesus Christ into your heart. You can't get to heaven on the coattails of somebody else. Don't you wish you could do that? I mean, don't you wish you could? You, you, you remember when your kids were small? You're just, waiting. You're just waiting for them to trust Christ as their Savior. 
I mean, you want to put them in a headlock, right? And drag them down to church and drag them down to the altar and make, just, just make them get saved. Don't you wish that's how it worked? Don't you wish that they, that they got in because of your faith? Because of your good works? Because of your church membership? Because of your... That's not how it works. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's to all people, but it's to each individual. You see, the Bible says this, God is no respecter of persons. You know what that means? That means God doesn't love me more than he loves Aston. And God doesn't love Aston more than he loves Randy. He's no respecter of persons. We tend to be respecter of persons, right? We tend to be judgmental when it comes to people, but God is no respecter of persons. He loves all people. And so what do we've got to, what do, we got to do? We've got to accept the gift that was given to me and to you. Anybody remember Andrew Stringer? Man, you talk about a man that could play the piano. When I was in school, you had to take, you had to take a, a class like music theory or song leading or something like that. You had to take some kind of music class. I got to my senior year and I, didn't t- I, I got away without taking it. I don't know how I did it. My advisor doesn't know how I did it, um, but I did it. I, I, I wasn't a big fan, and so I, didn't, I ended up not having to take it. I had to take a couple extra classes because of it, but I had to take that class. But he used to say this about Andrew. He said, you see what Andrew does? Everybody say, oh, man, yeah. They said, don't do it. He would sit up here on the piano. He's been to our church, by the way. He'd sit up here on the piano, and he'd just go. And music would come out. I mean, he'd just open up his mouth. He used to sing a song that was a powerful song. He loves me like I was his only child. Do you know God loves you like that? But he loves me like that too. Because salvation is not only to all men, but salvation is to you as an individual. But you have to receive Jesus as your Savior. You can't, you can't get in uh, any other way but through Jesus Christ. Think about Jesus. Think about this. He's the Savior, right? The Deliverer. This pictures him as the sacrifice that he gave of himself for me. He gave his life for mine. He is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God. This pictures him as the fulfillment of all the promises and all the prophecies of the Old Testament. They were fulfilled in the, in the New Testament. They were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, unfortunately, uh, uh, most of the Jewish people uh, outside the Messianic Jews, most of the Jewish people are still waiting for the Messiah. They missed it. They missed it because Jesus is the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. Do you know why they wanted to crucify him? Because he claimed to be God. 
He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Son of God. And they knew exactly what that meant from the Old Testament. He is the Christ, the Anointed One. And then He is the Lord, the Sovereign God. The one to be served. The one to be worshipped. The one to be adored. Think about this statement. Jesus is called Savior. You've probably heard this before. Uh, uh, not an example or a teacher, but a Savior. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. If our greatest need had been military, God would have sent us a, a soldier. If our greatest need had been for justice, God would have sent us a judge. But our greatest need was, always has been, and always will be forgiveness and redemption. Therefore, God sent a Savior. Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. This message of peace was a salvation message. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has there been a time in your life where by faith you received the finished work of Jesus Christ in your life? You see, He died upon the cross, He was buried, and He rose again the third day. You know why He did that? So that you could have life and that you could have it more abundantly. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down, and I pray for you. I'm not sure about it, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Is there one? What a blessing it is. I see your hand, and I appreciate your honesty, and I'll pray for you. Maybe you are saved. Maybe you do know Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you, we struggle. We struggle with our actions. We struggle with our mouth. We, we, we struggle in so many different ways. Even as saved individuals, we still have problems. We still have struggles. Can I tell you, take those struggles and cast them upon the Lord, and He'll see you through. He'll help you through. If you're already redeemed, you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, you have everything that you need to conquer that problem that you have in your life. Every problem, every sin problem is a heart problem. Let's get our hearts right with the Lord and live for Him. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come this morning? Maybe God's working in your heart, working in your life about a certain, uh, a certain thing that's going on in your life. Can I tell you this morning that God loves you? He cares about you. He cares about what you're facing. He cares about what you're going through. Cast that care. Cast that problem. Cast that decision upon the Lord, and He will see you through. If you're not saved, can I invite you to come, and can we show you out of the Word of God how you can know for sure you, 
going to heaven when you die. Don't guess about it. Don't hope about it. Don't wonder about it. Know it. We have a no-so salvation. Can I tell you how simple it is? If you're not saved, it's not a matter of going to church. It's not a matter of going to an altar. It's not a matter of saying a set, well, set amount of words. It's simply placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I remember praying this prayer, Lord. I know I'm a sinner. And I know if I would die right now, I'd go to hell. I know I would not go to heaven. And I'm asking you to come into my heart to, and to save me. It was a simple prayer. But let me tell you something. It only takes a simple prayer because it's a prayer of the heart, not the prayer of the head. If you need to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, do it before it's too late. As the instruments continue to play, if you need to come, there's time uh, this morning you come. Amen. You can be seated. we got a couple things we're going to be doing this morning, and uh, we're certainly excited. Uh